At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM Monday here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Patrick Maher live from the VSIN studios here at the South Point as we welcome you in. That was a hell of a day yesterday in the association. We'll get to that as we say hi. Michael Lombardi out today. He'll be back on Thursday. In his stead, he killed it last week and he's back. Wes Reynolds. Wes, my friend, how are you? I'm well, Patrick. Happy Monday to you. Sharp jacket. And he was lamenting. Uh, his loss at the RBC Spieth outduels Cantlay and the extras, right? They go to a playoff, but you had a two stroke lead heading into this. Yeah. Shane Lowry uh, had a two stroke lead with about five to play, hit it over the green on the par three 14th, and then trying to get back on to get up and down for par uh, chunks it in the Creek and takes a double bogey. So Yikes. kind of a tough beat for me, tough beat for my partner, Brady Cannon on long shots. He had Patrick Cantlay in the playoff. That's now two playoff losses here in 2022 for Patrick. Cantlay lost at the Phoenix Open to Scotty Scheffler, which was a better result for me. But nevertheless, Jordan Spieth, who I believe uh, I was uh, looking at a tweet. I'm trying to see who to attribute it to. But I believe since 2009, the worst ever performance for strokes gain putting to win a putt. PGA Tour he, event. That's always his butt. Like, if he yes. putts, he wins. If he yes. doesn't, he doesn't. But this time, he does win. Yeah, his tee to green was just so good. And look, uh, Jordan Spieth is one of those guys. I don't want to have sour grapes here, but he tends to be a guy that gets some fortunate breaks and got one yesterday and ends up birdie in the 18th. And I was like, okay, 13 under, I don't think that's going to hold, but nobody could really make anything down the stretch and ends up winning in a playoff over Patrick Cantlay. I settle for a T three with Lowry also had a T three with uh, Matt Kuchar, who never quite mustered a challenge uh, was always kind of lurking, but there were so many guys that really had a chance, but this is the RBC heritage and pretty much every year, except for last year when Stuart sink led by five, after 54 holes every single time the leader or the eventual winner I should say ends up coming from the back and Jordan Spieth certainly did that remember when he three jacked on 18 yeah, on Saturday so you're like eight under par how does he go ahead and gather himself he makes two eagles on the front nine kind of just hangs around and ends up getting the tartan plaid jacket down there in South Carolina generally when somebody says I don't want to have sour grapes here sour grapes that are, means you've got sour, sour, sour grapes are no, to follow no, no disrespect but now I'm going to disrespect the hell out of you with what I'm about to say right? <laughs> sour patch Wes here on the Lombardi line yeah, yeah. I, I am sour patch so long shot it's coming up on Wednesday, right? They are, they're off to New Orleans, and we got the PGA coming up next month. Yeah, team event. And uh, just to clean up what I mentioned, uh, Jordan Spieth, minus 2.55 strokes gain putting. Wow. Worst strokes gain putting number by a player in a PGA Tour win since Sean O'Hare, if you remember that name, yes, 2009 at Quail Hollow when he was about minus three and a quarter strokes. So, T to green, if you're that good, sometimes you end up getting the win, and Jordan Spieth certainly did. Well, that's what they call in the business a slow roll because the story yesterday was 
in Boston. Now, I'm old enough, Isaiah Thomas, the Pistons, the old garden. So I remember some duels from way back in the day, the 80s into the 90s, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yesterday was about as entertaining a basketball game can be. In Boston, of course, you had uh, the Brooklyn Nets, a 115-114 loser. They end up closing four and a half. So if you had the Nets and the number, you do cover. It goes over the total. That one moved up, Wes, 226 and a half on the opener. Ends up closing, you know, 226 and a half, a couple books, 227. So it does cash the over at 229. But the game itself, I was asking you before the show, as the favorites go 4-0 straight up yesterday, 2-2 two and two split on the ATS, the unders, Bark back a three and one on the under, by the way, Chicago, Milwaukee under by 51 points yesterday. Yeah, so that's what yeah, we'll play on. Yeah, so uh, go, please. I was going to say, we'll get to that because I think there's a point that needs to be made on that under in the Chicago totally. Milwaukee game, but let's go to what we kind of forecasted to be the main event of the first round of the playoffs. And it absolutely lived up to the hype uh, yesterday afternoon, 115 to 114. Uh, what a pass by Marcus Smart to have that vision on the court with three and a half seconds to have Tatum kind of on a little curl cut to the basket and to not shoot it and to not panic and got Jason Tatum and he gets the buzzer beater. By the way, 41 points and eight assists for Jason Tatum yesterday. Had 54 against Brooklyn earlier this season in March. That was the one meeting where both Kyrie and KD actually played. So, you know, Celtics were three to one in the series, but you didn't really know how that was going to materialize in the playoffs because the Nets had never really had been full strength, whatever full strength means for the Brooklyn Nets. But the big difference yesterday, I really thought was the rebounding. Uh, all the stats, I think, were pretty close. Brooklyn was a little bit better from the two and also was better from the three-point line. Both were the same on foul shots, but it was really the rebounding, and that's where it really picked up was the third quarter because Boston, I believe, is number one in net rating throughout the entire season in the third quarter, and they ended up outscoring them by 11. Now Brooklyn took the lead and had the lead in the final minutes and clearly in the final seconds until that Tatum buzzer beater. But it's really the rebounding where I think the Celtics have the advantage here because Steve Nash has got to decide what he is going to do with this big guy. Do I go big and play Andre Drummond? They were worse with Drummond on the court yesterday, yeah, by the way. Yeah, and that's why I think you saw Nick Claxton, who they can go small with down the stretch. That's why I think you saw him play the bulk of the minutes. Andre Drummond, only 17 minutes. Nick Claxton, 31 minutes, 13 and 8 off the bench. I think that's what you're going to start to see through the rest of this Nets Celtics series, is you're going to see a lot more Nick Claxton. Maybe you keep the starting lineup the same, because that's what they really do in the NBA. They don't, you know, switch starters. It's like, okay, this is our rhythm. This is our rotation. Mm-hmm. But... I got to think you have to see a lot less Andre Drummond here. Only three of four, eight points and four rebounds. Claxton much better. But the Nets really just don't have the depth inside. And that's where I think it could hurt him with Boston. And you talked about, you know, Robert Williams didn't even play yesterday. And he's really helpful on the rebounds. But Al Horford, even though he's a little bit older, still got he got some tread on the tires. He was great yesterday. 20 and 15 if you need him. And, and the thing about Al Horford and why I didn't like the first time when the Celtics got rid of him all those years ago, or they traded him rather to Philadelphia, I shouldn't say get rid of him. Right. Al Horford's the adult in the room. Mm-hmm. And he always has been. And I think he is for this young team. Because Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I know it seems like they're grizzled veterans, but they're still pretty young players and 
he gets them together and you've got all these young guys, you know, off the bench like Pritchard, like Grant Williams, when Robert Williams comes back. So this is still a pretty young team, but Al Horford is the guy that keeps them together. And then, of course, if you have uh, uh, Jason Tatum, uh, 31, I read it wrong. It was 41 is what he's averaging. But uh, or in those two games I mentioned against the Nets, but 31 for Tatum, 23 for Jalen Brown, 20 for Marcus Smart. It was really by and large Kyrie carrying the Nets yesterday with 39. KD pitched in 23, but only nine and 24 shooting. So look, I have the Celtics for the series. I laid about minus 140. Was kind of worried, okay, if they lose this game, do I want to, you know, come back on them at plus money? Because I think this is a scalpable series. I do think that this could go six, seven games more than likely. So if you want to take the Nets in the series, I think probably now is the time to jump in. So the assumption, Wes, and well put, the assumption is Robert Williams will return in this series. If he does, this is a wrap. Here's why. You talked about the rebounding edge for the Celtics. How about points in the paint? The Celtics outscored the Nets 56 to 32 in the paint. That only gets worse. Well, obviously, defensively, Williams adds such a variable. Uh, but points in the paint, they just dominated the Nets there. Really, this was Kyrie. He was otherworldly in mm -hmm. the game. 39 points. He had 18 in the fourth where he was stepping back, shooting threes. You see him right there on TV, flipping the bird to the Celtic crowd. You know, you talked about the possession. Then I want to dig into what we can take as a better moving on to game two. You mentioned, look, if you win game one in a seven-game series, it's close to 80%. You're going to win the series. So your future on the Celtics as far as this series looks pretty good. But the incredible poise the Celtics showed, I think they just went up a, like, went up a level because this has been a young team. We've been calling them a young team for so long. But that last possession, Udoka doesn't call a timeout 11 seconds to go all five Celtics touch the ball and you mentioned smart you thought he was going to take a bad shot there ends up getting the dish with the walk off and Tatum with the layup with the little reversal there that was incredible because yeah. there was a lot of up like look they were up 15 coming out of the break out of the break they go on a 23-8 run the Celtics and here comes the Nets to take the lead so it was really impressive and showing appropriate metal. surname certainly Marcus Smart a very smart player and a, a very pesky player yes. and, a, and, and a guy that you absolutely hate on the other team but you would love on your great team defender. because he's a great defender. He'll flop around a little bit. He'll sell calls. You know, he's just a, an overall just nuisance and just, I guess, an overall pain in the butt. And he certainly was for the Brooklyn Nets uh, yesterday. So now we uh, look to uh, game two, which I believe is going to be on Wednesday night. Boston minus three and a half, about kind of what they were pre-flop for game one total at 227 and a half, 228. Yeah, you nailed it. So three and a half, that is on Wednesday, the 20th, 420 for those of you at home. Uh, it opened three and a half, just like game one. Remember, game one closes four and a half. So the steam going the Boston Celtics way. So three and a half. The total really hasn't adjusted either. 228, 227 and a half. So you take a look at where that closed yesterday. Actually, yeah, it dipped yeah. up a little bit, maybe a half point closer at 227. One of here. the things we saw, too, yesterday is when you get a competitive game that's a one or two possession game late, Second half under did come in because the adjusted would have been like in the mid to thirties when you account for the second half. So you get these close games and all of a sudden these possessions become a lot longer. They're not firing up a shot with 10 seconds left on the shot clock. They're taking the full 24 here. And you saw that materialize yesterday. I think it was what 61, 61 at the break. Yes. So then as you mentioned, a hundred and what 122 points. Yeah, scored so it the goes break. over the pre-flop, but this is something to be said, you know, the NBA, I think as much as any sport is most conducive to in game betting or second half betting. That's what I've done most of this year throughout the NBA because it's been tough to bet pre flop because 
in the regular season, you don't always know who's going to play. Hell, in the playoffs, you don't always know who's going to play. But you obviously don't get, quote-unquote, load management this time of year in the postseason. But there's something to be said. Like, if you don't have your number, don't feel like, okay, I got to chase right. it. I can wait for it, and you can bet in-game if you want to get involved, and there's a lot better opportunities usually. You'll be able to find that number once – the ball tips 100%. Was it deflating for the Nets? They had that. You know, that possession was terrible late before the game winner mm-hmm. for the Nets, where you could tell Kyrie just wanted to keep doing everything. Got it out to Durant with about three seconds to go. Durant launches a terrible three. The Celtics come back the other way and win it, take a 1-0 series lead. We're going to see the other series from yesterday, including Miami dominant defensively. That's next here at Lombardi Line. It's VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, it's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options. Of course, you can go in-game betting with a great interface there. Uh, boosted odd specials, which are great. Download the BetMGM app today. Stop by any MGM casino on the strip. Bring that state-issued ID. You're ready to bet within minutes. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology. got to be 21 years or older. And if you have a gambling problem, it's 1-800-522-4700. Well, I thought I had aged myself by talking about the Pistons and Isaiah against the Celtics in the 80s, but mm-hmm. you may have just aged yourself more by talking about what, Mork and Mindy during the break? No, it was, uh, uh, the big uh, ragu, because I saw there was a, a pop. <laughs> Podcast with a certain ESPN personality. It was uh, something, a uh, Swagoo yes. and Perk for Kendrick Perkins. And I was like, I don't know who Swagoo is. Maybe that's uh, Matt Santos's new nickname. No, no, no. Matt that's what Swagoo. we call Bill AD at the company. Swagoo. 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 Because yes. I was thinking of the big ragu, of course, from <laughs> Laverne and Shirley, who I believe just passed away. Uh, one betting note that I do want to yes. pass on is we were talking about it over the break. For those of you that were watching, USFL debuted this weekend. Saturday night's game actually was ended up being a very entertaining game between Wes, New Jersey and Birmingham. You weren't sitting there watching New Jersey-Birmingham on Saturday night, were I was you? flipping, but I was going back and forth, <laughs> I mean, actually. I mean, I had nothing going on Saturday, but you had nothing. Did you yeah, have action on that game? I did not. Okay. I was just well, uh, observing. And, and look, it eventually went over. By the way, both games went under the total yesterday. Yep. It was supposed to be a triple header down in that bubble in Birmingham, but there was a weather delay down there, so the third game actually got postponed to tonight. That's going to kick off, I believe, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific, Tampa Bay Bandits, Pittsburgh Maulers. And we were just checking to make sure, okay, a mutual friend of ours was asking, hey, are they going to honor these bets if you've already made them? I checked over with uh, Jeff Sherman over at Westgate Superbook, and he said, all bets are action as long as they're within eight days of the scheduled date because, of course, they've had to utilize this policy due to COVID right. and games getting moved to midweek and being moved all over the place. So as long as it's within eight games of the original scheduled date, all bets are action. And I think more, but most books will probably abide by that policy, have very similar rules. And this is why I love you. It's so smart to let the better know that book to book, they can have varying rules, right? Because here at the mm-hmm. South Point, this is from Vinny from behind the book. And Fez, this is for you from me and Wes. We're doing your legwork for you. Game must go on, Wes. Specified date, unless otherwise specified, it's a refund. 
Mm-hmm. So, okay. So it is a refund. Here different, at the South Point? Different rules at the Westgate. So that's important. I think a lot of new bettors think everything's universal. Right. I think they think the point spread's universal from yeah. book to book. The rules are universal. You always have to check mm-hmm. with the book, and you can check the back of the ticket if you're actually making a hard copy bet. But it's important to know, and I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, Tampa Bay, by the way, minus six pretty much across the board, 42, 42 and a half on the total. Uh, of course, if we've looked at these past leagues, the AAF, the Alliance of American Football, the XFL, a lot of unders usually the first week of the season. So far, just two and one, only eight teams in this league, so four games a week. First game went over, and it's like, because everybody and their brother, it seemed like, had the under for that first game did not come to fruition, but Sunday is more true to form. I think you were running point for our in-game coverage of our AAF coverage here on VSIN <laughs> back in the day. Is that true? That was uh, that was Dave Tooley via digital, but we did do some XFL betcasts. That's uh, right. That's what myself, I meant. Myself, Jeff Parles, Ben Wilson, Matt Holt, Brady Cannon. There was a, a cast of thousands in our, our uh, down in the dungeon uh, here <laughs> and uh, doing some uh, iHeart podcast for the XFL betcast before obviously COVID changed everything pretty much dead in the league, but the league is coming back with some new ownership. Yeah, uh, The Rock. The eyebrow-raising, most electrifying man in sports entertainment, The Rock, and his ex-wife, Danny Garcia, are running the XFL, and that will be back next year. And I think The Rock is still giving his pregame speech there at the Super Bowl, if you tune in <laughs> to the broadcast. Yes. That went on, and that was ponderous. Anyway, <laughs> the Heat end up closing six and a half at home. You know, I had... There had been some vibes, obviously, going on with this team because of what happened with Jimmy Butler and Spolstra. And Butler is always in the mix, so you never know what's happening. But they actually end up closing six and a half, seven at a couple of shops as well. 220 and a half on the total at open 216. So interesting. We saw a couple totals rise yesterday, but the Heat absolutely pummeled the Hawks. There were two storylines here, West. And as a better, you want to be- you want to go backwards before you move forward. So mm-hmm. we have to dig into this. There were two storylines. One, Duncan Robinson, he couldn't miss. He was eight of nine from three. That's ridiculous and two, the heat defense I mean first off they were up 19 at the break 59 40 but Miami was dialed in on defense they were very aggressive super physical and the heat I mean the Hawks yeah. just didn't have an answer yeah on the Atlanta side a couple things stood out to me obviously the most uh glaring stat is looking at Trey Young's stat line which is one of 12 from the floor O of seven Woof. from three only eight points they're going to get swept, obviously, if that pattern continues. Uh, John Collins uh, did return after I think he missed about 16 games. Mm-hmm. I think it was early March he had been out with that foot injury. Did come off the bench, 21 minutes, did have 10 points. But also we knew that Clint Capella was at least going to be out for this game, maybe out for game two, game three. It's kind of going to be day-to-day with that hyperextended knee. So they went with Aquanwu and and went sm- with a small lineup. Aquanwu just three points and seven rebounds in 21 minutes. Yep. But you look, the big difference, obviously, was the three-point shooting. Now, now Miami was 57 to 49 in terms of the two-point shooting, but the triples, 18 made threes against 10 made threes. That is a substantial difference. Duncan Robinson, eight of nine from the three, 27 points uh, who would have thought a former division three player for the Williams College F's 
Duncan Robinson, because that's where he started before he, that, ended before up he went with, to Michigan, before he ended yep. up with John Beeline at Michigan. And Robinson was always kind of a stretch, really good three point shooter, but he's even become a relatively solid defender. Now he's not a lockdown defender by any stretch of the imagination, but he's kind of the example that kind of uh, puts the thumb in the eye of those that say, oh, they don't develop players in the NBA. You know, you are going to be what you are when you come out good of point. the prep ranks or the college ranks. Uh, absolutely not, because you wouldn't have thought Duncan Robinson could ever even and somewhat defend NBA players if you watched him at Michigan and watched him in the Big Ten like I did throughout his entire career. But there he goes, 27 points, uh, led the scores. Jimmy Buckets had 21, 9 of 15 shooting. The, the threes were the big difference. Uh, Miami wins by 24, 24 points on the amount, the same amount of three-point attempts, essentially. 38 for Miami, 36 for Atlanta. Pace, 97. So did not uh, go over the total, and I think that's just simply because Atlanta was was woeful and when Trey Young's only getting eight points chances are you're not going over the total no in a close 220 220 and a half west at a couple of shops you take a look to tomorrow you know this is a lot for Atlanta y yesterday off the play-in was a lot for them they now turn around again tomorrow for game two opened a point higher here at seven and a half it has uh, stuck at seven and a half at most books unless you see anybody with a different number what we did see is the total come down a little bit 217 actually I got a couple of 217s and a half so maybe bet up just a mm -hmm. tad there but let's talk what we can take moving forward you mentioned Trey Young he couldn't hit a shot I mean he was literally one of 12 from the field oftentimes because the attention that he draws and since he's such an elite passer you can if everybody around him that supporting cast it becomes so important in the postseason can kind of pick the slack up that didn't happen yesterday I think Capella obviously a big miss in the middle yeah taking this information moving forward with the Hawks heat what do you got yeah I, I mean look I I I talked about it yesterday when I was with you and Josh on uh, the Sunday version of the Lombardi line. You don't necessarily want to fall into, okay, always go zigzag here. Because right. I think if you've done that and look, go over the last 20 years, it's a ride around 50% or maybe like 49% and change. So look, against the 11 to 10, you got to hit 52.4% just to break even. So you're losing if you're playing that zigzag. So you really got to look at the scenarios. Like I think the Minnesota Memphis, which we'll get to later, is a lot better scenario but Atlanta maybe maybe they were just a little bit out of gas having to play those two games Agreed. in the play-in games because I think we saw the team that played just the one game like the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Brooklyn Nets they both covered the team that won the 7-8 game both covered in the first game but the second game and, and New Orleans had a shot to cover at the end against Phoenix there, but they didn't get it done. But the teams that had to play those two games in that play in tournament, maybe a little bit out of gas. So I don't want to totally dismiss Atlanta and say, okay, they're done. It's easy to do when you get a blowout in game one here. So small lean to Atlanta, at least for Tuesday night's game. I have not bet it yet, but I do want to see maybe if Capella is going to be back because I think that they absolutely missed him badly yesterday. For those West that missed the weekend programming, I think this is a good teaching moment. Got about a minute and a half here. Zigzag theory. Can you give us a minute breakdown of the zigzag theory? Yeah, zigzag theory basically, and you could use it side or total, is okay, what was the result here in game one? Let's take this Hawks heat, for example. Heat cover. So zigzag is going the other way, meaning you take the Hawks in the next game, and I think it's seven and a half now, a little bit of adjustment. Yep in the market. 
or a game goes under, you want to go over the next game. And you don't necessarily want to do that. As I mentioned, it's a little less than 50% over the last 20 years because the odds makers are hip to that. They know what people <laughs> are going to do. They're going to think, okay, it's going to reverse the next time out. So you got to look at like specific situations. And one that I'll mention, I'll try to wrap it up here Please. real quick. Minnesota and Memphis tomorrow night. Memphis, you know, they were the toast of the town, number two seed, got smacked around a little bit by the T-Wolves. So maybe that wakes them up. When you get a top three seed losing the playoffs in the first game of a series, usually they come out hellfire and brimstone the second time around. So I'd be looking on a zigzag delay with the Grizzlies. That situation, by the way, is about 64%. And I'm glad you brought up zigzag because there are a lot of betters married to that theory. And I don't think you necessarily should be. We're going to head out to Atlantic City and talk to Thomas Gable from the Borgata next here in Lombardi Line. to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher. The NFL draft getting closer and closer. It's right here in Vegas, and we're going to have extensive coverage, including mock drafts from Matt Humans. Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM, is going to give his draft analysis. VSEN host Mike Pritchard, who was a first-round draft pick. Also, Sean King, remember, won a Super Bowl. They're all here to give you insight. Uh, on what you should be betting on. Plus, Brent Musburger is going to give his draft best bets in our NFL draft betting guide, which you can see right there, vcin.com slash spring. Also included in that is the Major League Baseball betting guide, which is awesome. Sign up today to get full access. It's vcin.com slash spring. Okay, we've got Thomas Gable, but first, a nugget from Wes Reynolds. Yeah, uh, we do have the early Monday morning game. It is Patriots Day. They're in Boston, Massachusetts. Of course, the Boston Marathon taking place today. And, uh, you know, kind of an unfortunate angle to bring up here really uh, rich hill was on the bump for the boston red sox today to make the start his father lloyd hill actually did pass away on friday at the age of 94 his father was a 37 time participant in the boston marathon which is absolutely abs insane. absurd and uh, unfortunately mr hill passed away rich hill was going this morning uh, dylan bundy the starter for the twins hill now out of the game it's valdez in currently top of the fifth minnesota four to nothing over the boston red sox and if you do want to bet in live, I believe I saw the line at BetMGM. It was Twins minus three and a half on the run line. You know, baseball, kind of harder than I think other sports to do in-play betting. But that was the line here. So now we're going to the bottom of the fifth in Fenway Park. Twins up for nothing. As a handicapper, you should get all the information you can possibly gather. And that's an angle. There's going to be a motion, obviously, with the starting pitcher in Rich Hill. Good job, Wes Reynolds. We head out to Jersey and say hi to Thomas Gable, our partner here. Of course, runs the race and sportsbook there at the board. We say, hi, Thomas, and have you ever run a marathon? <laughs> uh, hello, guys, and no, I have not. I, not. I don't even think I could walk a marathon. <laughs> I, mean, I, just, I, I don't even want to try. Um, well, first off, it's nice to see you on a Monday. How did it go yesterday at the book with the playoff games? You obviously had a fight night over the weekend as well. You had a ton of baseball. How did it go at the book? A busy weekend. Uh, yesterday went very well. Um, you know, the NBA, you know, I think the favorites were two and two uh, against the spread yesterday. So um, made a little bit of money there on the NBA yesterday. The um, Celtics game, that one actually, uh, the Nets got the money there. Uh, Celtics failed to cover. Uh, closed here as point favorites. Great game, obviously. Uh, not much of a decision on, on that game for us here. That was a very balanced action. 
Uh, we did lose a little bit there on the Heat game, uh, the, the opening game yesterday with the Heat covering uh, in a big way. And certainly with – the Hawks were kind of in a tough scheduling spot there yesterday with coming off the playing game Friday and now um, the early start there on Sunday. So you'd expect to see a little bit uh, better effort there from the Hawks uh, the next time out. And uh, Heat probably won't shoot quite as well. Uh, the other two games, though, uh, not bad results for us either uh, for the playoffs. But uh, I'm glad I actually have Wes there today because tomorrow, obviously tomorrow night we have three more playing or three playoff games, three tonight, three tomorrow. But tomorrow night, Wes, are you interested in the Greg Norman 30 for 30 premiering on Tuesday night? <laughs> oh man, that that that's a, a shark. That's a can of worms there because I'm not very happy with Greg Norman right now because he is running this. Uh, LIV, I think, is how it's abbreviated. It's yes. basically this Saudi yes. golf league that's funded by the uh, fund of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. I don't really want to get into that in terms of uh, their human rights record. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit sore. Like, I am a fan of history, so I do want to relive those incredible moments for Greg Norman, especially that collapse at the uh, 96. 96 Masters. And a guy that I really liked when I first got in the game was one of my favorite players and not so much yeah. my favorite in light of recent <laughs> events right now. By the way, the Shark was everybody our generation's favorite player because he looked cool. I had all his gear, yep. but his meltdowns were legendary. TG, are you into it? Are you going to be watching the 30 for 30? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm more I'm more uh, uh, anticipating that than I am the three playoff games tomorrow night. I, I really am. <laughs> I love Norman growing up. <laughs> so we, did we, I. We've, got a, we've got a long playoffs, obviously, to go. Uh, Thomas, I did want to ask about one series yesterday. The most competitive series, at least from a series price standpoint, was going to be the Brooklyn Nets and Boston Celtics. So, C's get the win in game one. Are you starting to see some action? I don't know how much you get at Borgata there on series prices, but – now it seemed to be like where betters will try to at least zigzag, even though that's less than 50% long term. But now you're getting the Nets at least uh, approaching the plus $2 mark. So are you getting any betters biting on that price? Uh, not quite at the moment. We actually had um, somebody uh, about 20000 on the Celtics uh, series price yesterday before the game. So now the Celtics after that uh, series price minus 225 right now for the Celtics to advance. So, uh, you know, prior to that, you were you were seeing a little bit of uh, of Nets action, taking the, the plus money. But now, as you said, with the Celtics winning Game One to get plus one eighty, uh, now's the time to kind of jump if you think the Nets are uh, going to to take it. But I think the concerning thing about the Nets, and let's just say they do advance out of this series. What kind of uh, physical shape is Kyrie and Durant going to be in? to get through the remainder of the playoffs. Those two guys are going to have such a heavy load on them. And you know that this series is going to take a lot out of them. So I, even if they do advance, I, I think it's Brooklyn's a team that probably is uh, just, I don't know how physically they're going to be able to hold up throughout the rest of the playoffs. They're going to have a, a lot to carry. They're going to play. Look, Kyrie played 42 minutes uh, yesterday and KD played 41. They're going to play 46 apiece the rest of the series. Yeah, fade the Nets if they get out of the series. Completely agree with you. By the way, you're going to get killed tonight at the 76ers cover. I got BetMGM reporting like close yeah. to 80% of the bets and 90% of the handle. My assumption there in Atlantic City is everybody, specifically Scotty Barnes, who knows? Everybody's going to be on the 76ers. Right. Yeah, I'd certainly assume so. We we saw that in game one as well. And 
this game now obviously up to seven and a half. We're game one, we closed four and a half. Uh, so I would certainly assume with the uh, the injury news that's plaguing the Raptors, um, you know, people are going to be jumping on the Sixers here, especially here, uh, because we always take Philadelphia money. But you know, again, I, I still go back to the Raptors here. They they have the length. And I also can't underestimate Nick Nurse. I think Nurse is going to be able to come up with a game plan, Scotty Barnes or not, uh, young or no young. He's going to come up with a game plan to to keep this series close and uh, and out coach Doc Rivers. I, I just you know the tire the, the Maxi game game one. Listen, he's not going to have 38 points every game. Uh, Embiid, yes, was held on to 19, but. Again, I, I still think at some point you're going to see the Raptors come back here in this series. Uh, Thomas, let's get to the late-night game tonight, as is the Denver Nuggets and the Golden State Warriors. Impressive win in Game 1 on Saturday night for Golden State. Pretty much 7 across the board. I think BetMGM actually 7.5 even money laying to the Nuggets. Uh, are the Warriors back all of a sudden? Because we saw this team late in the season, you know, kind of – be a little bit stuck in the mud. Weren't bad, but weren't great. But have they flipped the switch here, and are we getting the old Warriors, you think, for these playoffs? Uh, it, it certainly could appear that way. And, you know, the Warriors here, seven, you know, seven-point favorites, uh, 222.5 is the total here. And as you said, going into game one, you know, that was kind of my concern for the Warriors. I actually uh, was leading the Nuggets in game one there because – you, you had the three there with Draymond and Steph and Clay only playing 11 minutes together this year prior to game one. And, you know, listen, if you, once you get the band back together, I mean, those guys obviously have uh, such a history of playing together. I guess it really didn't matter. It, Nuggets kept it close through one quarter, and that was about it. So, uh, you know, the Warriors looked very good. The, the West, I think, is really going to come down to uh, Golden State and, and Phoenix. That, that's probably going to be your uh, Western Conference Finals there. That should be a good one. I just have a minute here, Thomas. How are you handling Utah and Dallas? I got it five, what it closed, five and a half the other night. Luca, I don't think he's going to play. He's still listed as a game-time decision, but most likely he's out. How are you handling this one there at the Borgata? Yeah, we actually closed game one uh Five and a half, and that's where we're sitting right now in, in this one. And I, like you, I would certainly not expect to see Luca here. And um, without him, they, the Mavericks, I just don't think too much of a chance. They're going to need him back if they're going to make this a series. So uh, I, I would certainly lean Jazz here. Um, the Mavs just does, they just don't have a guy that you can go to and say create something without Luca being on the floor. My favorite part about the conversation with TG today was him asking Wes Reynolds about Greg Norman, then him with some market manipulation trying to get betters to bet on the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> I saw what you were doing. There. I, just want, I, just, I just want you to know, TG. Got a, a little bit of head fake, man. Got to swerve and hit the I hole saw, there. I, yeah, that was a Kyrie-like crossover trying to get betters to go the other way. TG, we love you, man. Have a good day and good look at the book today there at the Borgata. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Market manipulator Thomas Gable. Norman was the best, man. People don't realize for guys in their 40s like us, Greg Norman, he was cool. He had the cool gear. He had a great game, great with his irons, and he just fell apart in big spots. That's what he does. Coming up next, he doesn't fall apart in big spots. He's Will Hill. He joins us in Lombardi Line.
listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, BetMGM customers, if you have a friend who loves sports as much as you do, here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign up to your BetMGM account uh, and click on the Refer a Friend program. It's easy to find. And send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive $50 in bonuses, and you're going to get 50 bucks as well. It's a pretty cool deal over at BetMGM. Check out BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years or older. Again, 1-800-GAMBLER if you have an issue. Refer a friend, get 50 bucks. It's free. We welcome you back here on a Monday. Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. He's Wes Reynolds. I'm Patrick Maher. We welcome in our buddy Will Hill. New York City cast over at vcin.com slash podcast. We texted a little bit yesterday. We both liked the Nets. I would have, for those that bet the Nets at plus 160 on that money line, we're, we're really feeling froggy and jumped on it. That's a terrible beat. But we say, hi, Will, how you doing? What's up, man? Yeah, really, it carried the day, carried the weekend. Not great games. Uh, Minnesota-Memphis was kind of fun. That was really the only upset we got. But that was just a great game, a great atmosphere. You know, the bad blood with Kyrie and the crowd. Uh, just a lot of talent, both sides, high intensity, really just a, a, a fun game, an instant classic. And, and really, you know, you see the end of these games, a lot of teams calling timeout, then you call timeout and it just takes forever. It was different yesterday. Brooklyn just kind of let it play out. Boston kind of let it play out. I thought Brooklyn might call a timeout there once uh, Boston cut it to one to kind of set something up. They didn't get a great look, but uh, yeah, just a, a fun game and uh, a good feeling if you had the plus four knowing that the ball was going to go in or it wasn't and you were going to cover no matter what. Uh, real quickly, Wes, you and I were talking about that game before the show started. You know, working in the industry, you can get weathered watching so many games. And also with technology now, you know how we watch games with our phone, in-game betting over at BetMGM or your computer in front of you. That was honestly, boys, a game where I literally just sat there and watched the basketball mm -hmm. game for the last mm -hmm. hour. It was that it was dramatic and, you know, all time great players. It was a hell yeah. of a game. Yeah, it was the main event. I think of the first round and that's kind of what we thought it was going to be. It obviously had the most narrow spread from a series price perspective. You know, I laid Boston 140. So, you know, Nets only barely not even getting two dollars yet. So there's still a lot of respect for the Nets in the market. You haven't seen like a massive move necessarily to the Celtics side. So I think this is going to be, I think, what you would call like a scalp series. If you're playing series prices where you're trying to get maybe plus money on both sides, there is still that possibility, even though the Nets trail won nothing. I know Will has plus money on a certain series that got a little surprisingly dicey in the it early did. evening last night. And uh, Will went ahead and bet the sweep on the Milwaukee Bucks. I kind of wussed out and betted uh, minus two and a half games, minus $1.75 for the Bucks in case the Bulls win a game. Will, based on what you saw last night, Milwaukee did prevail, but it was a quick tempo game, but not a lot of scoring, bad shooting on both sides. Are you still confident that the Bucs are going to get a 4-0 sweep here? Uh, I am. And before I get to this, because this was an ugly game to watch. If you guys watch this, this was brutal. I, I will say on the Nets, it's been a fascinating price all year. They were six to one to win the title out of the year, which made no sense. They had to go through a play and then they get in the play and they go to nine to one. Now they're all the way up to 14, 15 to one. So really some kind of strange uh, moves with the Nets. If, if you're interested in the Nets might be a time to, to jump in. I don't know that I will, but uh, yeah, you mentioned the Bucks. I mean, they're up 12, nothing before you can blink. And they certainly had a tough act to follow coming up after, you know, Celtics Nets. Uh, I thought Milwaukee played terribly. I mean, they're, they're going to get away with it. They won yesterday. They'll probably sweep, if not one in five. But, 
you know, they kind of reverted back to remember last year, they struggled on offense. They had some of these ugly shooting games, a million turnovers. This was really not uh, an impressive performance yesterday, but by Milwaukee, um, you know, they were up 12, nothing before you could blink an eye and they're down five in the fourth quarter. I, I thought it was a really uninspiring effort. Like I said, I don't think the bulls have enough to, to win the series or compete in this series, but uh, I do expect the bucks to, uh, to probably, sweep this series. I wouldn't be shocked if they gave up one game, but I think it's a coin toss, you know, between four or five, I would lean towards four. And one other thing on this game, they're up three with 15 seconds left. Uh, it was 11 on the shot clock and the bulls fouled to put them at the line. I thought that was very strange. I thought the bulls would, would let them mm -hmm. play it out there, but I, I do expect Milwaukee to march on pretty easily here. And Patrick, one more point I want to make Please. on this game is that if you look, sometimes when we judge totals, we obviously look at pace very closely. This one, I think, was tied for the quickest pace of any game one game in the first round here, 99.4, and yet 93 to 86 goes well under the total of 231. The shooting, as Will mentioned, was awful. I think uh, Milwaukee was 10 of 38 from the three. The Bulls were 7 of 37. So it wasn't that this was a slow pace, why this was a slow-scoring game. It was poor shooting, and it was turnover. So what was that, 231, and you look for game two, already down to 224 and a half at BetMGM for Wednesday night. That looks to be maybe a little bit of an overreaction to me. The Bucks had, I think, 21 turnovers. That's disgusting. And by the way, Will, the Bulls were 6 of 28 in the fourth quarter alone. The game was gross, to be fair. I will say one thing nice that people that watch it will know what I'm going to say. Alex Caruso put on an absolute <laughs> clinic on defense, forcing turnovers, bodying up Giannis one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, I thought they really could have called Giannis for a sixth foul. I think it was Williams who was boxing him out when they called it on Williams. It was like, if, if he can't box him out, how's he supposed to get a rebound? I thought that was a strange call. And then Budenholzer did some weird things, you know, taking Giannis out down the stretch. Again, it didn't cost them. They didn't pay for it. But a strange game, and the one thing, if you're a Laker fan, watching Caruso just put on a clinic defensively uh, has to drive you Who nuts. they absolutely gave away, by the way, oh, there in Los Angeles. Course. You know, just gave him away. Certainly could have used him this season. 100%. Toronto, Philly, Barnes, big question mark. A second facilitator. He does so much for that team on defense. Will open six and a half, 76ers. Bet up to seven and a half. Where you at? starting to see some eights pop up and uh, Kyle Mann, who covers the NBA does some NBA content. I think he put it well. He said the Raptors are kind of like that mid major in the NCAA tournament that everyone picks to upset the blue blood. Then you see, you know, the first 10 minutes and it's a different caliber of athlete. Uh, so I think Philly's going to win this series. I think they'll pr win it pretty quickly, especially without Barnes, who it doesn't look like he's going to play. But uh, I think this number is inflated because Barnes is hurt. And we've seen this with Doncic. We've seen this in other scenarios where the line gets adjusted because of an injury. Then the guys rolled out and it kind of over adjust. You get a second bump. So maybe you get to an eight, even eight and a half. Once Barnes is rolled out, I sort of lean towards Toronto here just because I think a lot went right for the Sixers in the first game. They shot 50% from three. They got 64 combined points from Maxi and Tobias Harris of all people. They really only had one turnover. I know they ended up with three because they got too late in the game, I think in the last minute or so, but this was pretty much a perfect game from the Sixers. I would expect the Raptors to play a little better. This is the one underdog tonight that I think has a chance to hang around. Uh, I lean towards Toronto, but I'll, I'll probably need the eight. So I'll probably wait for an eight, which I think are starting to pop up here, but I do lean towards Toronto in a series that I think Philly's going to win pretty quickly. That was actually a very good analogy by Will, because this does remind me a little bit Toronto hearing all the buzz on them. Remember uh, a few weeks ago, South Dakota state against Providence. Jack that was the off. upset yeah. that everybody was predicting. And there you go. A 20 point win in Winthrop the first game. Nova last year. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Nova last year. There's always, every, you don't, you never want to be on the upset that everybody is 
is going to pick that every pundit's going to give out because it very rarely comes in. But to this game, moreover, and I was talking about pace with the Bucks and the Bulls, 90.4 was the pace in this game. It was one of the slowest paces of any of the first-round series. You had Philadelphia score 131 points on uh, basically a little bit over 90 possessions and, and 29 to 10 in the fast break. So I do want to get your opinion on this, Will. And I know it's dropped a little bit from the opener. Would you sponsor a play on the under here uh, with uh, Toronto being so shorthanded, not only Barnes, but Thad Young, I believe, is going to be doubtful for this game. So would you look a little bit to the under thinking, okay, Nick Nurse has got to slow this down. He cannot run with this team. Absolutely. I think Nurse has to muck it up. That's probably a good angle by you because I think Nurse absolutely has to muck it up. And I think Philly's okay playing slow too. Look, they don't want to run. Their transition defense isn't very good. Uh, Embiid, for all of his you know great, great skill, he doesn't want to run. Harden, we know, doesn't want to run. So I think both teams are okay kind of playing this slow, maybe in the 80s or the 90s. I, I would absolutely look towards an under. That's a good job by you. Two minutes. Anything else on the board for you, Mr. Hill? What do you got? I think all these series are going to be pretty quick. I think all three favorites are actually going to win tonight. I think you can get it like plus 160 for all three favorites if you want to just money line parlay them. I know that's usually not a great recipe. It's not usually something I would do, but uh, I think Denver's going to have a really hard time with Golden State. I think Draymond can do a pretty good job on Jokic. And once you kind of cut off the head of the snake, they don't have a lot of other places to go. They're playing, you know, Cousins and Forbes. That's really a, a mishmash unit. And they don't get to the line and they turn it over. Denver does and Golden State's starting to get healthy. I would expect Golden State to win this game comfortably tonight and to close this series out either in four or five. I think we're looking at a lot of four or five game series. I think Brooklyn, Boston goes seven. Uh, I think Memphis, Minnesota probably goes six or seven. Other than that, a lot of these series uh, are probably going to go four or five. I, I know you guys are probably old enough to remember. It used to be best of five first round. It was so yeah, much better. There was yeah. so much more juice. It was so much more exciting because some of these upsets, these, these bigger teams, you know, there was, uh, you know, you had to win game one. If you're in big trouble, if you go down one Oh best of seven kind of kills some of that. I remember when Denver knocked out Seattle when yeah. they were the eighth, it was uh, Robert pack and Dikembe Robert Mutombo. Pack my guy. You remember Dikembe Mutombo squeezing <laughs> that ball laying on the ground. Yes. Yeah, 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 and yeah, they yeah. upset the Sonics yeah. when they were the number one seed in the West. That George Carl was coaching Seattle. A hundred percent. All right, William, keep growing the beard. Keep doing the pod. It's beaston.com slash podcast, New York City cast. You can go check out a conversation with Will Hill and Ian Eagle, who is perpetually underrated. Thank you, buddy. Enjoy the day. I appreciate it, guys. See ya. There is a player. His number is plummeting to be the number one overall pick in the forthcoming.